Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And this is our second take, because the first take, my mic wasn't on. Oh, wait, and um, how many how many episodes are there of Criminal Mind? 324? I'm so glad you knew that. <laughs> you, it's only because you looked it up for me. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Thanks, Google. So hopefully my mic's on now, you guys. It's definitely on. All right, today we're covering Scared to Death. It's bad. I wanted to be scared. To death. Yes. Just take me out. Oh my goodness. Abby, what are you scared of? Oh, like fears? Um, I'm definitely like a bit of a hypochondriac. So it's like, yeah, like so, you know, COVID and all has been really fun. I also like, not to get like too deep, but like do generally like wonder if I do have a some like degree of paranoia. I definitely would, it's definitely not because I'm into true crime. Like, I'm not joking that <laughs> I'm into true crimes. I'm always paranoid. No, I, like, I've, I feel like I've always had, like, a level of paranoia of, like, fear of others. Like, and just assume everyone's going to kill me. But it's okay. We're we're having tough conversations with ourselves. It's about that. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a hypochondriac. And I remember one time my my mom or my dad someone in my family got sick when I was living with them when I was a teenager and I was like extra precautious like I would like open doors with my elbow and they made fun of me but I was the only one who didn't get sick mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely something I struggle with and something that's like not necessarily a fear but like something that I struggle with that's super weird I don't know if I've talked about this Sometimes when I'm on bridges, a little voice in my brain says, throw your phone. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I've recently confided this in my husband and he's always making fun of me for it. But like, listen, it's like a primal instinct when you're up high and you're not in control of the situation to make yourself in control by throwing your phone. That kind of reminds me, not to get, like, too tangential about it, but um, I was driving up to New York recently, and I was, like, stuck in traffic on a bridge, and the whole time I was like, what if I just, what if I just, with the wheel, like, <laughs> and I was, like, freaking myself out so bad thinking about it, of being like, what if my car just, like, whoop, just tip, it's so scary, <laughs> It, I think it's just like a human thing. Like any anytime I'm in a concert, I'm like, I could ruin this for everyone. <laughs> I could ruin this middle school production of Hamlet for everyone. I could make this the worst night of their <laughs> lives. I have the power. <laughs> Should I choose to wield yes. this? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're uh, not in any way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds, but sure would like to be. 
We rate each episode out of 100 points, and those 100 points are distributed across five different categories. And uh, those categories are the criminal slash serial killer, the character development or character arcs, the forensics and context, the script writing, and the background characters. We open with the sound of faint thumping. Never a good sign. There is a girl locked in a chest in a man's office. The chest has some sort of creepy window so that the man can stare down creepily on the girl as she bangs on the inside of the chest. Please help me, she pleads. I can't feel my legs. Please, I'm going to die. The man leans down and shines a flashlight on her face. He asks, is it worse than you thought? Yes, she responds. The man says, hmm, which is also what Abby says to me when I text her with a bad idea for the podcast. (laughs) 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 I'm like, oh, I've seen that hum before. (laughs) 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 With three M's. (laughs) we're having fun today guys anyways uh and then the the man says hmm and closes the lid the camera pulls back and we see the man who we later learn is dr stanley howard and he sits down at his desk the girl in the chest while the man is at his desk and the girl continues to scream and bang on the chest and dr dr howard starts documenting her experience in his notebook. We later see like close-ups of his notes and they're just like, (laughs) like they're ridiculous. When the girl finally stops screaming, Dr. Howard walks over, checks on her, sees that she's dead. And then he writes that she lasted eight minutes in his notebook. And he just writes eight minutes. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Dr. Stan, you cold-hearted son of a bitch. Dr. Stanley Howard is played by Michael O'Keefe, best known for his role as Danny Noonan in Caddyshack, which is a movie that my father-in-law fucking loves. Uh, But this actor's also been in so many movies and at one point was married to Bonnie Wright, who's like a folk. Oh, shit. So it's bonkers that he was like a guest star unsub on this specific Criminal Minds episode. Like, I can't believe the people they get sometimes. Uh, And I feel like they did him dirty, (laughs) to be honest. Mm. Cut to BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia. Reed is reading the letter that Gideon left him. We learn that Mandy just noped out of Quantico. leaving all his work, office supplies, and a plant behind. God damn it. Not the plant! Not the plant! We've already had to deal with the dogs, and now we have to deal with a plant? (laughs) My heart can't take it. Oh, God, and we, there's an episode with cats coming up, too. No, like no. My heart can't handle no. this what, right What's now. next? Guinea pigs? Oh, honestly, they can perish. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about guinea pigs. Sorry if there's a guinea pig girl listening to this, but I don't give a fuck. What is it? What is it? We've, 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 already, we've already knocked on the horse girls, and then <laughs> oh, it was the leeches. 
Oh my God. Honestly, <laughs> did you know that when leeches are like, there's like a, I don't know what it is, but when they're like adjusting to water, they do this thing where they just flap. <laughs> and it's like a little dance and they flap back and forth. Oh my God. I could talk about animals all day, but instead I got to talk about <laughs> BAU. <laughs> PAU Section Chief Aaron Strauss. I hate her. Oh my god. Uh, she later tells Hodge that Gideon's resignation is official and that BAU is currently looking for Gideon's replacement. But the show must go on. The team convenes to discuss the latest BAU case. We learn that four bodies have been uncovered in a mass grave in Oregon. Oh god. Oregon? Oregon. Oregon. Oh, God. Oh, God. Whoosh. It's going to be a time. We learned that four bodies have been uncovered in a mass grave in Oregon. Can you say it again? Oregon. Oregon. Why is this hard? Well, my boyfriend's from Oregon, so. Oh, shoot. Okay, we can't have Diggs get mad. Oregon. No, it's not. So it's either Oregon or Oregon. Oregon. It's an E-N, not an A-N. Oregon. Oregon. Oh, no. I think we should keep this in. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say Oregon. There you go, yeah. The most recent body is Jenny Whitman, who died from asphyxiation. And this was the girl from the chest that we saw murdered by Dr. Stanley earlier. There are three other victims other than Jenny, but the only other person's name we learn is Rick is Rich Holland. And we know that the two other victims, one is a guy and one is a girl. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you because I have something to play for you. It's pronounced Oregon. 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 Not Oregon. 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 It's very easy. Jesus Christ. It sounds like he's saying Oregon. Yeah. It's pronounced Oregon. SOS Diggs. I can't even talk. SOS Diggs. She's so stupid. She needs to hear how to say Oregon. Oregon. Oh, and then he sent me the phonetic pronunciation or again. So it's like he wrote O R space E H space. G-Y-N. Oh, God. Ugh. All right. There are three other victims that we know of. Two were guys. One was a girl. And the only other person's name we learned is Rich Holland. Um, and the causes of death range from death from burning alive. From being burnt alive? From literally being burnt alive. Imagine. That's so scary. Imagine being like, my fear is being burnt alive. And Dr. Stan's like, we can make it happen. (laughs) Not to be a spoiler for anyone. But there's no sexual assault. And as Morgan points out, the torture is clearly sadistic. Hotch informs the team that only one of the victims was reported missing. Rich Holland, who was reported missing nine months ago, However, the search was called off when Rich's family members received emails supposedly from him saying that he, quote, needed time to figure things out. Then, like, one minute later on the jet, 
Hey, girl. Garcia says that the unsub reached out to two of the other victims' families via email pretending to be them after they were reported missing. But, like, Hotch had just said that Rich Holland was the only one reported missing. So this is really confusing. There are a couple moments like this throughout the plot that I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? And maybe I'm just misunderstanding. I mean, I have seen this three times in the past week, so I'm pretty sure I'm right, but go off. Reaching out to victims' families can be a sign of remorse, but with this unsub, it looks like they're covering their tracks. The team touches down in Portland, Oregon, and heads to the FBI field office. There they meet Special Agent Calvert. Morgan is like, you're from Boston, and Agent Calvert is like, yeah, the accent's pretty hard to miss, even though it's like a very light Bostonian accent, in my opinion. I don't know, man, this episode is interesting. So Hotch, Reed, and Morgan visit Jenny Whitman's apartment. Her apartment building has one of the oldest, tiniest elevators I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And only Reed and Morgan can fit inside, so Hotch elects to take the stairs. Morgan is one of those assholes who jumps around at side elevators to be scary, and Reed freaks out, understandably. He tells Morgan, quote, There are six elevator-related deaths each year, not to mention 10,000 injuries that require hospitalization. Morgan makes fun of Reed and starts pushing buttons at random, and then the elevator screeches to a halt. Then both Reed and Morgan start freaking out, and the elevator starts lurching down, and Morgan tries to pry the elevator doors open, but they're stuck, which is like what you shouldn't do. And then Reed keeps rigging the buzzer, and then all of a sudden the elevator opens, and Reed and Morgan hurry out, and then Hotch comes over and it's like, is everything okay? The boys are let into Jenny Whitman's apartment by her landlord, and they immediately start making cracks at her. Reed says that her apartment has a, quote, lived-in feel, and points out that she has no messages on her answering machine. Like, Reed, stop roasting the deceased. Like, bro, leave her alone. Also, this is, like, the weirdest apartment ever because the bathroom has a shower stall and a separate bathtub. It's like, it's something you might expect to see in like a luxury mansion or something like that. But this set, this setup has no business belonging in this apartment building. Because you have to assume if like her apartment has that, then all of the apartments have that. And their elevator doesn't even work perfectly. I mean, like, it's, it's weird. Anyways, it's clear from the the position of her bath products that Jenny used the bath, the bathtub exclusively and never turned the shower on. The shower is actually full of boxes. Jenny used it for storage. The landlord pipes in and tells the BAU that ever since she moved into the apartment two months ago, Jenny never used the elevator, only walked up and down the stairs. So the BAU makes the leap that Jenny didn't like tight spaces. That she's like claustrophobic. I just, I don't know. It's kind of a leap. Yeah. Because they're like, she didn't like the creepy-as-fuck elevator. Cut back to the Portland FBI field office. 
J.J. Prentice and SSA Boston discuss victimology. Get it, guys? Because he's just relocated here from Boston. Although all the victims have different educational levels and different socioeconomic backgrounds, they were all new to Portland and moved to the city without any nearby family or friend connections. A fresh start, if you will. While they're discussing this, we see ye old corkboard with pictures of victims. So basically it shows the pictures of the victims and then how they died underneath. So Jenny Whitman, asphyxiation, Rich Holland, who was burned alive, and a blonde woman whose name we don't know who died from exsanguination, so died from blood loss. SSA Boston says that he too is new new in town, uh, and he tells the ladies that he just transferred to this field office a month ago, and JJ is like, hmm... I'd like to pick your brain about how you got settled in. Cut to Dr. Howard having a flashback about his terrible mother because, you know, it's always the girlfriend, wife, mother's fault. The, the, well, under the thumb of a powerful woman. So apparently Dr. Howard was afraid of the dark and his mother would beat him with a belt if he asked to have any lights left on. Anyways, Dr. Howard has a new patient. Patrick. Patrick and Dr. Howard take a little field trip to a nearby body of water. Patrick tells Dr. Howard that he had traumatic experience during summer camp where he almost drowned and ever since then has been afraid to go in the water. And Dr. Howard says, quote, look at you now. You're doing just fine, Patrick. Our bodies knew water before they knew air. It's really the most natural thing in the world. It's not going to hurt you. Cut to the BAU giving the profile wishes absolutely exhaustive and a little repetitive. And I think it might be the longest profile we've ever had. Because look at it. It's a, it's a monster. Shit, that is pretty long. So, Abby, if you'd like to share it. So basically, the profile of this unsub is because the police uh, uncovered the unsub's mass grave in the woods, the unsub's MO will likely change slightly, but the BAU is not sure how. Not, Not really helpful at all. Right. This unsub thrives on being in control, and the reason he's gotten away with these murders is that he's meticulous at every stage from how he chooses his victims to how their torture is and their burial. So the victims appear to be like non-specific except for the fact that they're new in town. The various victims' lack of defensive wounds means that they've willingly put themselves in danger, which sounds pretty victim blamey, but it's okay. So someone of authority or someone who is otherwise easily trusted is the one who put them in this situation and murdered them. The victims' families were led to believe that their loved ones were alive through emails written by the unsub, which is some sick-ass shit. These tortures lack a sexual component, which is incredibly rare, um, and it likely means that he's impotent. So as Reed says, quote, It's not about exerting. (laughs) Sorry, I tried to do an impression. (laughs) 
It's not about exerting power, but more like overcompensating for the lack of it. <laughs> because he always like is like overcompensating for the lack of it. Yeah. <laughs> Iconic. Anyways, how's my read impression, guys? I know it's not great, but I, it made me laugh. Okay. He's coming from a place of weakness, trying to demonstrate strength, which means he may have been abused or, you know, under the thumb of a powerful woman. He most likely feels powerless in his everyday life, so he would crave stability and security. He is most likely married. And if he's impotent, he could keep up appearances by adopting children. Someone this methodical has every moment planned, and if he is captured, he will most likely take his own life. Whew. One heck of a um, profile. I love that it's such a hefty profile, but says nothing. While this profile is being given, Dr. Howard gets Patrick in the water and lets him drown. After asking, is it worse than you thought, two times. Then Dr. Howard writes in his stupid little notebook, drowning, or I think he writes drowned, uh, and walks away, leaving Patrick's body just floating in the water. Remember how the BAU was like, oh, his MO is going to change. We cut to Mrs. Dr. Howard. And she is upset that Dr. Stan Howard has missed family dinner. How could you, Dr. Howard? (laughs) Mrs. Dr. Howard is up to here with Dr. Howard's bullshit. She says, quote, what is the point of having family dinners if you're not here? At some point, you knew you'd be late. You should have called. It's not that hard. You didn't pay Jessica's tuition. I wrote them a check. She's taken a bath. She's brushed her teeth. I read her books. She's asked for you three times already. Dr. Howard goes to see his daughter and Mrs. Dr. Howard is like, your dinner is going to get cold. So then Dr. Howard yells at her and stuffs the food in his face and then goes to see his daughter. Patrick Walker's body is discovered. Morgan finds a shepherd's crook in the water. Apparently, this is something that was used by lifeguards and rescue workers to assist people in drowning. We previously saw Dr. Stan Howard using it with Patrick. Morgan fully holds the shepherd's crook without gloves in both hands. Good. (laughs) I (laughs) I know it was in the water. And finding fingerprints on it or, like, DNA is probably, like, not a thing that they could do. But, like, still, you, like, you can't handle evidence with your bare hands. The BAU realizes that the unsub is using people's fears to murder them. Patrick Walker was afraid of drowning, so the unsub drowned him. Jenny Whitman was afraid of suffocating to death, so Dr. Howard asphyxiated her. Later, Prentice and Reed find a flyer in the laundromat closest to Patrick Walker's apartment advertising a research project. Participate in a controlled research project and you'll receive $100 to get over your anxieties. It's presented by the Goodman Institute. Prentice and Morgan find another flyer in a coffee shop by Jenny Whitman's apartment but Prentice realizes that the date the flyer was posted was last summer. 
meaning that Dr. Stan Howard likely has tons more victims. So the BAU goes back to the area where the mass grave was and they find more bodies. They find 12 more victims in total, bringing the number of victims up to 17. That's like one of the highest numbers we've seen on this show, isn't it? Yeah, and can you believe that Dr. Stan Howard had it in him? No. Couldn't even pay his goddamn adopted daughter Jessica's tuition or show up for, not even show up for family dinner, not even like send a text or call and say, I'm going to be late, super hot wife. So 17 victims. Yeah. And just to be killed by your, like, I remember when you did that deep dive about um, coffins and like being buried alive and that one guy like died from being buried alive when he was like buried alive to like overcome his fear of it like that shit is terrifying that's what i thought this episode was gonna be like it's the execution just falls so flat like because genuinely dying of your fear is like they should have just like put us in the situation with the people who were being attacked by dr howard It should have been about the victims, not so much the unsub, which I get is like the point of the show, but like still. You guys, Dr. Stan Howard has a new victim, ahem, 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 patient. Her name is Missy Cassell. Apparently she's afraid of being buried alive, which to me sounds a lot like being asphyxiated, but like, what do I know? I'm not Dr. Stan Howard or Mrs. Dr. Stan Howard. So she's come to therapy because over the holidays, she was invited to go on a cave diving expedition with some friends, which sounds terrifying to me. Diggs and I have been uh, on a kick of watching horror movies involving cave diving, and oh my god. Do you know how many people alone die in caving incidents? Like, it's a staggering number. Also, you should all watch The Descent if you haven't. Oh, The Descent is so good. So good. So good. The Descent 2? Descent 2 is trash. But The Descent 1? So good. Just don't watch the sequel. Anyways, Missy thinks that that she'll be able to do some sessions with Dr. Howard and be cured of her fear enough where she can, like, cave dive. Dr. Howard goes to the basement and the, I guess he goes to the basement of his office building and starts building a do-it-yourself buried alive scenario. <laughs> like he's got like bags of dirt and like it's just him with a shovel. And I'm like, I guess he can like get all this shit done in a couple hours because he's like, come back later, Missy, and we'll like advance to the next stage of the process. So he's constructed this, like, big hole in the basement, and I really don't understand how he made it, because it looks like it's been, like, carved out of cement, but whatever. Uh, it's deep It's deep enough where he can drop Missy in it, and she can't get out. So we have another flashback to Dr. Howard's depressing youth. He wets the bed again, I guess, and his mother is like, you wet the bed again, now they'll all see. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> She's like pulling open the blinds in his room. I'm like, oh, Jesus. His mother then locks him in a closet. And I don't mean to make light of this. Like, this is terrible. But I'm just like, this is so over the top. Like, I don't need this. Like, 
can't someone just be evil? Do you know what I mean? Like, can't someone just be evil without any fucking explanation? So Dr. Howard wakes up, realized that he passed out in the basement and he's got Missy down in the hole and Missy's like, please help me, Dr. Stan Howard. And he, he starts burying her alive. He's dumping dirt on her. He's like, is it worse than you thought? And Missy is like, I'm going to be okay. Like, she's very positive. She's like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be all right. And Dr. Howard just keeps dumping dirt on her. And if you've ever purchased dirt, dirt and soil are fucking expensive. So we learn later that this guy has, like, financial problems. So I don't even know how he financed this do-it-yourself buried alive thing. But whatever. The BAU realizes that the unsub is Dr. Howard. Apparently, he previously had created a center for abused children, which was really cool of him. But that was shut down a year ago when the killing started. And apparently, he had closed the center due to renovations, but they were never completed. So when Morgan, Hotch, and Reed go to visit the building, they find that it's been completely demolished. JJ and Prentice go to speak to Mrs. Dr. Stan Howard, and she is very surprised by the FBI's visit. Prentice tells her that Dr. Howard shut down his practice a year ago and let his doctor's license expire. And Mrs. Dr. Howard is like, no, he did not. And Prentice is like, has your husband been acting strangely? Mrs. Dr. Howard says that he's had some issues since his mother passed away last year. Then Mrs. Dr. Howard discovers that her husband's building has been completely demolished, and she's like, my family has commercial property downtown. But, like, she seems like she's on top of her shit. And I'm like, how did this this man bamboozle her into, like, marrying him? And, like, she's got money. Her family's got commercial property, like... She's, you know, she's fucking making dinner. She's putting the daughter to bed. She's reading books. Like, she's like the complete package. Like, at one point, Dr. Howard had to, like, uh, he's shown to be very, like, analytical. How did he romance this woman? That's my question. That's the real story here. How this man romanced this woman. And then they adopted a child. Like, how... I I don't know, man. I don't know, man. So the BAU boys and SSA Boston, remember him, who's new in town? They they show up at Mrs. Dr. Howard's commercial property and they find Missy's, that Missy Cassell was the last person to sign in. So they realize that the, she must be the last intended victim. Then they notice Dr. Howard about to exit the building. Dr. Howard runs up the stairs on the side of the building and the BAU pursues him. But he gets to the roof and he's about to jump off. And Hotch confronts him and is like, quote, we found at least 15 people dead. But like, that's not true. (laughs) Like, the number is 17. They found the first four in the mass grave, and then Patrick, that's five, and then 12 others in the woods, that's 17. 17 bodies. Why is he saying at least 15 people? 
Yeah. It's not true. It's not true. Oh, my God. Hotch, get your shit together. Anyways, Dr. Howard gets an evil villain monologue, so here it is. They sacrifice themselves for science. Most people go into law enforcement because they want to help others. I think your greatest fear is that you can't save everyone. It's worse than I thought. (laughs) And then he kills himself. Oh my god. I can't, you guys. I can't with this fucking episode. None of this shit is funny by itself, but like, this fucking episode is too much. So, read... Reed reads Dr. Stan Howard's notebook and realizes that Missy was afraid of being buried alive, which wasn't exactly what she told Dr. Howard, but whatever. So they realize that she must be in the basement and they find her and save her. And on the plane, Hotch and Morgan have a heart to heart. And Hotch tells Morgan that Haley has left him and he's not sure if she's coming back. Not a good episode. No, it's it's not a good episode. I can't believe I had to watch it three times. I'm so sorry. Here's my deep dive. So I was like, well, can you actually die of fear? Fear can actually have some very real extreme physiological effects. It's rare, but it can does happen. Like, as a lot of us know, like, intense emotion can trigger a heart attack. But, like, insusceptible individuals, like those who already are suffering from heart conditions. Um, But even without heart issues, like, underlying conditions, you can be scared almost literally to death. So what happens when you're scared is that it's a condition called stress cardiomyopathy. Which um, is caused by your brain's, like, fight-or-flight response. Stress-induced cardiomyopathy means stress has caused uh, most often temporary dysfunction or failure of the heart muscle. And then your adrenaline surges. Your body will react to fight-or-flight. So that is, like, increase of heart rate, blood pressure, and blood glucose levels, and the general reaction of the sympathetic nervous system um, that kicks in is also, like, you know, what tells you to fight or flight. And so this can cause arrhythmia, heart spasms, basically. In instances when you're scared, the heart muscle might stop squeezing and might not pump blood efficiently as you need it to. Fortunately, this is generally reversible, but also it can cause sudden death. And in, in addition to that little thing, I did a little, uh, little, little googling of phobias, um, just to kind of unpack. I mean, we all know what a phobia is, but to unpack it a little bit more because it's more complex than just being very scared of something. Um, So it's a a type of anxiety disorder, um, which is defined by a persistent and excessive fear of an object or a situation. Um, They usually result in like, you know, quick onsets of fear and are present for more than six months. And those who are affected can go and will go to great lengths to avoid the situation or object to a degree greater than like the actual danger that is posed. 
if the object or situation can't be avoided, they will experience significant distress and other symptoms of this, of just, you know, outside of just being afraid, uh, include fainting, which can may occur in a blood or injury phobia, um, panic attacks, and those are often found with agoraphobia. Around 75% of those with phobias have multiple phobias. There are three specific kinds of phobias. One, which is specific phobias, which is fear of a particular object or social situations that immediately results in anxiety and can sometimes lead to panic attacks. So they might be further subdivided into four categories, which is animal type, natural environment type, situational type, and blood injection injury type. The second type is agoraphobia, a generalized fear of leaving home or a small familiar um, uh, safe area and of uh, possible panic attacks that might follow. It can also be caused by very specific phobias such as fears, open spaces, social embarrassment, which is social agoraphobia, Fear of contamination, which is fear of germs possibly complicated by obsessive-compulsive disorder or PTSD related to trauma that occurred outside of, you know, your house or doors. And then the third one is social phobia, also known as a social anxiety disorder, which is when the situation is feared as the person is worried about others judging them. So, the most common phobias are fear of spiders, fear of snakes, and fear of heights. And just to clear this up, I don't think any of our listeners have this, but, you know, just to clear it up, there are several terms with the suffix phobia that are used non-clinically, usually for political or deterrent purposes, uh, to imply irrational fear or hatred, such as chemophobia, which is negative attitudes and mistrust towards chemistry and synthetic materials, xenophobia, fear or dislike of strangers or the, of, or the unknown, sometimes used to describe nationalistic political beliefs and movements, homophobia, Negative attitudes and feelings towards homosexuality, people who are identified or perceived as being, you know, within the LGBTQ plus community and Islamophobia, which is fear of anything Islamic. Those are not phobias. Those are prejudices. Those are yes. <laughs> prejudice, hatred, and discrimination. Uh, just adding phobia to the end of it does not mean it's actually clinically sound. Ugh, are you ready to rate this episode? Right, you know, the thing we're supposed to do. <laughs> the thing that it's all about. Uh, what do you think about the uh, criminal slash serial killer? Could have been better. Yeah, it could have been so much better. I just don't care about his mother. I don't care about his reasonings for killing, like, 17 people, <laughs> like... Uh, almost killing 18 people. Like, there's just no fucking justification for it. Like, Criminal Minds keeps again and again coming back to, like, people being abused and trying to use that as justification. I'm just done with it. Like, as much as, like, serious respect for that actor and all of that he has done and contributed, especially to my father-in-law's happiness, 
Uh, I th- and he was pretty hot in Caddyshack, not for nothing. I think we got to give him a low score because this is just not tracking. Five. Yeah, I agree. Character development and character arcs. They made some, they, they broke some ground. They definitely did. It's an important episode in that respect. Ten. Yeah, that's fine. Forensics and context. Hmm. I mean, we did have the longest profile ever, even though it was kind of like yawn. I guess 10. Yeah. Script writing. I I have no strong opinions. Seven, five. Seven, I guess, is fine. Background characters. I feel like they didn't. I mean, we had Detective Boston, or sorry, SSA Boston. Or was he detective? No, it, what, he was a FBI agent. Ten? Yeah, I guess you could do a ten. Forty-two. All right, guys, we did it. We did scared to death. We made it through. We survive. We're gonna make it. We're gonna be alright. Oh gosh, you will never catch me going into caves, scuba diving in caves, any of that shit. I'll never do it. Hard pass on that. Follow us at Unsubs Podcast on all of the socials. Email us unsubspodcast at gmail.com if you are a nice person give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. you can find me yournewapartment.tumblr.com and you can find me at between stage and screen podcast on instagram and on any streaming service thanks for listening you guys bye It's pronounced Oregon, 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 not Oregon, 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 Oregon. It's very easy. Jesus Christ.